Every week about this time, we get together and talk about something that really would have fit the Sunday morning message, except time sometimes gets to us. Or sometimes a topic is kind of secondary, and this gives us a place to take another look at a topic growing out of our Sunday morning message. I'm really, really glad you're here. I'm Pastor Russell Howard, and this is Beyond the Notes. So if you were here last Sunday for our message, you know that we talked about this, this conversation Jesus has with the, the woman at the well in Sychar in Samaria. It's in John chapter 4. And if you've not had a chance to see that message, hey, I want to encourage you to have a look at it. In the course of that conversation, what we majored on in the, in the message on Lord's Day is the, the evangelistic character of the conversation and how Jesus was able to very quickly establish rapport with this uh, with this woman and and get the conversation to matters of eternal consequence but he he met her at a specific place where where there's a spring that, that comes up from deep below and a village is given their water supply and as he spoke with her he uh, alluded to living water. He said to her, basically, if you knew uh, all of what God is up to and all of who I am, you'd have asked me and I'd have given you living water. And if you drink this living water, you'll never be thirsty again. Now, the setting is a literal spring or well in a, in a very hot climate in the middle of the day. And so uh, water is a very, very natural topic to connect on. But there's a lot more going on with this word picture of living water than simply striking a rapport with this woman on this day. And I wanted to come back and take a couple of minutes because as he so often did, Jesus is saying more than just what the surface level would indicate. Before we go too far into the topic, let me, let me talk to you for a moment about what living water actually means, sort of at a surface level, because you and I don't, don't live in a world that is dependent upon sort of uh, natural water sources. Um, we get our water from bottles and sinks and things like that, water fountains. Living water is water that is, that is flowing, water that is, is, is being refreshed and is clear, like a flowing stream, as opposed to, to stagnant water. So when Jesus is talking about living water, he would have been talking about, for example, this well where he and the woman were. The, the, that well has, a, has a, a, a flowing stream down underground as its, as its base, living water. So that's what, what the term means at its most literal. But when Jesus invokes it as something with, with clearly sort of messianic overtones, it's, it's quite probable that the, the woman of Samaria listening to the conversation was not highly educated in the Old Testament. It's very likely most Samaritans, even the Samaritan priesthood, rejected the Old Testament past the first five books. So Jesus' reference to living water is a reference to um, a couple of verses in the book of Jeremiah. And I don't think the woman at the well followed his reference. I think, in fact, Jesus was probably setting something up for for you and I, for the written word of God that he knew would contain the, 
account of this conversation. The phrase living water shows up a couple of times in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 2, 13, in an indictment of the sin in Israel, Jeremiah writes, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So the living God refers to himself as the fountain of living water. That's, oh, that's Jeremiah 2, 13. And he says, you know what? My people are ignoring my freshness and vitality and cleanness, the things that come from living water. And instead, what they're settling for is a cistern, a carved out reservoir in the rock that, that, that might be useful to collect water, but the water in it's not going to be living water. It's going to be dead water because it's still in stagnant and their cisterns leak so that the, they're, they're accepting stagnation, death, and defect instead of life as I would offer them. And he says the same thing, uh, essentially, in another allusion over in Jeremiah 17, verse 13. Let me get there. Jeremiah 17. Here it is. Jeremiah 17, 13. Uh, o Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Notice both of those verses refer to the Lord as the fountain or the source of living water. Jesus in his conversation in John chapter 4 doesn't tell the woman that she would become a source of living water, but that she could if she found her right relationship with God through Jesus, she could become one through whom living water would flow to others. Jesus is going to make another reference in John chapter 7 to rivers of living water flowing through the life of the believer. But I'm, going to, I'm not going to chase that one down because, frankly, just a few weeks from now, we'll be addressing John chapter 7 on a Sunday morning. The final thing I want to point out, if we talk about the prophetic conversation and then we talk about the conversation he had with the woman at the well, the last thing I want to point out to you is in Revelation chapter, chapter 7, um, when Jesus once again speaks to... Uh, the living water that flows from the throne. Uh, Revelation chapter 7, verse 17, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He's talking about that great multitude from every tongue, tribe, and nation that becomes the population of heaven. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And then finally, I think the whole thing gets utterly fulfilled, thoroughly consummated, and gloriously expressed in the very last chapter of the Bible. Heaven has a river. Heaven has a river that, that flows. And I think every reference to living water from the Old Testament's foreshadowing to Jesus' claim of being the personal fulfillment of those prophecies to the final expression of that truth in the very design of heaven. Uh, Revelation chapter 22, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, the ultimate and final living water. You know, 
we could go for a couple of days without food. Um, but except, except for air, which we need every minute, uh, <laughs> all the time, water is the one thing we can't do without. And it's meant to be a very pointed illustration of the life-giving, but also the, necess- the necessary um, character of water. And all belief systems that aren't Jesus might be, will, might be capable of, of satisfying some version of some passing thirst. But as, as water goes, those are, are cisterns and they're dead and they leak. Only Jesus is our living water to remind us of that glorious future he has for us in heaven uh, where we will never, never need or want again. You know, we do this every week, and I'm glad. And if you're, if you're a faithful listener or even a new listener or viewer of these podcasts, I hope you'll, you'll share them. I hope you'll find a way to tell a friend. And we've talked a lot about the various online and automated ways to share. But let me suggest something else. If you've got somebody that you know and love who loves the Word of God or who would be curious about going beyond the notes with us, why don't you just tell them about the podcast and point them to where you found it? Hope you'll do that. Next Sunday morning, we'll continue our study of the Gospel of John. I look forward to it, and I look forward to seeing you next week on Beyond the Notes.